how the presence of God affects you. I always tend to weep in the presence of God. Anyone else? <laughs> it's just so sweet and so real. And last week I started off a series called Frequency, spinning out of our series called Understanding Jesus and talking about the connection to understand Jesus is that we have to, one, be on his frequency, but at the same time have frequency. To be on his frequency, we have to frequently interact with him. And I've titled my message today, Divine Conversations. Divine Conversations. That what God longs for with his people is to have a conversation. If you look at Jesus, you know, he, he didn't come on the scene really, in, even in his commands, he didn't come on the scene, I command you, I command you, but Jesus came on the scene. He had a conversation with people and explained his commands to them. It wasn't just that it was a command, it was that, that they would understand why he gave them the commands that he did. And he did that in a conversation, and I referred to the fact of, you know, he, he often spoke in parables, and I referred to the parable of the sower, if you will. Jesus was having a conversation with people uh, in a way that they could understand what he was talking about. And if you remember, even when Jesus would teach, that many times what happened with his teaching is, is it invoked a bunch of questions, especially from his disciples. And they had a little more proximity, they had more time with him, and as a result, he would teach something, he would teach that parable, and all the multitudes are hearing it, and then when they would go off together, all of a sudden his disciples would say, what did you mean by that? What would they do? Now, now do we believe that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, is that right? And so the divine uh, took on human form and manifested himself in this earth, and so... God was flesh and lived among men. And as a result of that, when Jesus had conversations with people, what he was doing is he was having a divine conversation. It wasn't just any conversation. It was a divine conversation. We can have that conversation. And again, our scripture for this series out of John 10, 3 through 5, gives us some perspective on that again. Jesus says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. That's an indication that uh, it's personalized when Jesus calls us or when he speaks to us. We hear his voice. What happens, he's calling us as individuals. He wants to have a conversation specifically with each and every one of us. And it says, and by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his, uh, all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because... They know his voice, and so there's, a, there's a, a knowing of his voice, not just hearing it, but knowing what his voice sounds like. It says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from uh, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, this gives the indication that, that in the midst of it, um, as, as Jesus is calling, we follow him, and we're going where he's going. It's not just a matter of hearing his voice and understanding what his voice sounds like we will also understand what the voice of a stranger sounds like. Now, to go back to tending sheep, a shepherd that takes care of his sheep, that oftentimes shepherds will bring their sheep together, and when they have them all pinned up together, what would happen is, is they would come to the gate. So the shepherd would come to the gate, and what he would do is he would call out for his sheep to come. And the only sheep that would come out of the pen were the sheep that belonged to that shepherd. Why? Because they knew his voice and the voice of the strength, the voice of any other person, they wouldn't follow. If another shepherd came, 
this shepherd's sheep wasn't going to come out and follow that shepherd. He would come to that gate and he would call for his sheep. And as he did, they would come and he would just walk ahead and the sheep would come out of the pen and follow the shepherd. This is what Jesus is saying, that, that in a sense, for all of us in this life, when we come to the Lord, he becomes, how many know he's our good shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. On and on, right? Psalms 23, the shepherd psalm, you all know what I'm talking about? And he comes and he calls us in life and we hear his voice and we follow after him and he is going to lead us where he'll lead us into green pastures. He's going to take care of us. He's going to give us a life that reflects what he's promised. When life doesn't reflect what Jesus has promised, you might want to check what voice you're listening to. When life doesn't reflect what God's word declares in your life, it doesn't mean you don't have difficulties, sickness, issues that go on, sins that you have to battle, but the reality is is when you listen to his voice, he will right those situations. He will bring you through those situations, just as we sang, he's the overcomer. And he's called us to overcome, and he will give us the power to overcome anything that goes on in our life. It isn't a matter of nothing's going to happen in my life if I give my life to Jesus. Nothing hard, nothing difficult, but rather Jesus will give you the power to overcome those situations. But it's key to listen to his voice and follow what he's saying and not get distracted by the other voices. Amen. And so, um, you know, when you think about divine conversations, we can go back many examples in the Bible um, if you were to think about uh, David, he had many conversations with the Lord, didn't he? You know, there's a point where uh, uh, David loses his whole family. Every, uh, the enemy comes and they run off with all their kids and their wives and, and their possessions. And they take off and they leave. And David and his, uh, his crew, uh, his mighty men, they get back to town. And when they come into town, their wives are gone, their children are gone, and their possessions are gone. And David's Mighty men, the Bible says, actually, they, they turned on David. Oh, that was a bad moment in David's life. Could you say amen to that? A bad time. I mean, all this that you have, I mean, you got to understand the story of David is that, that all these men that joined themselves that became his mighty men were the disgruntled ones that came to David because of how they were being treated by King Saul. Come on. Their life wasn't going well. They joined themselves to David. Their life has gone well, and when all of a sudden... Uh, you know, an attack or calamity or difficulty comes in their life, they turn on David. The reason why they got all that in their life. Are you hearing me? How often do we, some, does something go wrong in our life and, and all of a sudden we're like, God, why are you doing this to me? But then recognizing we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy in our life and, 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 and putting our, our, our frustrations and putting those uh, prayers against it, doing warfare against that enemy Instead, there's a turning on God, like, well, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? The enemy's going to come. The key is to stay connected to God. Uh, stay in those divine conversations with God, because when you're in those divine conversations with God, your perspective is going to be a little bit better. Amen? This is what the Bible says about David in that, and then we'll get into our outline here. The Bible says that David, when his men turned on him, everybody's basically up against him. All of a sudden, what David did, the Bible says, he put on a linen ephod. Anybody know what a linen ephod represents? This is what they did when they prayed, or they sought the Lord. He didn't have on his kingly garments and robes. In David's worst moment, being king of all Israel, his, his, 
his buddies, his pals, the guys he trusts turn on him, and all of a sudden David doesn't, I am king and you need to. David puts on a linen ephod and goes in and says, I am man and I come humbly before you, God, and I seek you, Lord. He's seeking God for the direct, he, he's seeking a divine conversation so that he knows what to do in a earthly conflict, if you will. And the Bible says this, David encouraged himself in the Lord. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Anyone? Anybody ever done that? You know, the greatest way to encourage yourself in the Lord is that to acknowledge things for the way that they are. So there's a, this is what's going on. It's not that God doesn't know. But you begin that talk like, God, where are you at? What's going on? And and as that takes place, all of a sudden, it's like, Lord, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? How do I handle this situation? Through, through prayer, David encouraged himself in the Lord by seeking God's guidance, seeking God's voice. He knew, like I shared last week, he knew that they could take and, and, and give every effort and try all kinds of different things, but that man would not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Father. If he could get a word from God on what to do, He could take it to the bank, that he could trust it, declare to his men, declare to the people in his life that he cared about, this is what God said we need to do. And they could pursue it, they could go after it, and God would reward them according to his word in their life. Can you say amen? So let me me, uh, submit to you this question. Why does God communicate? Why does God communicate with us? What's the reason? Let me show you this scripture which uh, sets up the birth of, of our Savior. Matthew one twenty three says, The virgin will uh, conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God communicates with his creation so that he can be with his creation. God communicates with us to be with us. That when he talks with us, it's not just when, you got to understand, when God says something, it's not just words, it's his presence, it's his anointing, it's his very being coming into existence. How do I know that? The whole earth was formed that way. The earth was without form and void, and God said, and God said, he spoke, he communicated, let there be light, and there was light. And if you go read the creation story on and on and on, That's exactly how it happens. This passage right here, all of a sudden what we see is, uh, so so we got the earth was without form and void, and God says, let there be light, and there was light. It was without form and void, and all of a sudden he calls forth the firmament, meaning vegetation, if you will, trees. Everything starts to emerge. Not unlike the time when God uh, sends Gabriel the angel to say to Mary, you will be with child by the Holy Spirit. You're going to conceive this child, and his name is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. That what happens is, is that when the earth, so the earth back here in creation's time is covered with darkness and without form and void, and mankind who came from the earth, by the way, from earth you came, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return. Isn't that right? That, that mankind, right, is, is filled with darkness. And what does God do? He comes with a word that speaks 
And light is conceived on the inside of Mary because of a divine conversation. And at that divine conversation, all of a sudden, light on the inside of her is being incubated to come forth at its perfect time. Isn't that what the Bible says? John, right? We can go to the book of John. First John, or not first John, John 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, on and on. But we also read on and it says, and he was the light of men, correct? Light came into the earth. And that light was the light of men. Jesus is light. He's the light of God. And when he came into the earth, all of a sudden, the word of God is going forth. He is the living word. And he's going forth and he's speaking. And everywhere that he went, guess what happened? Things without form and void of life started to take new form and come back to life. Isn't that what he did for us when we gave our lives to him? We, we acknowledge what he did on the cross to give his life was to bring life into us. And not just any kind of life, but resurrection life. A life that cannot die again. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty divine conversation he had with Mary there. And the whole purpose was because God wanted to interact with his creation. He wanted to communicate with his creation. The first point under that is that God communicates with us to build relationship. He communicates with us to build relationship. Exodus 3, uh, 33 and 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. When God, you know, you're reading his word and you're praying, and you're having that conversation with him, you know, when you call, look, all who call upon the name of the, Lord, of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Wait a minute. The manifestation of divine life comes as a result of a conversation? Wait a minute. Isn't it God that calls me? Yes. He's called us out of darkness and into his what? Marvelous light. God calls us, but then what do we do? We respond a conversation is all about, right, response. You say this, I say this. Last week I pointed to the fact of, uh, you know, we had communion and I talked about to commune with God. Do you ever commune with somebody? Sit down, have a meal, share a meal? And you think about the Lord's Supper, there's more going on than just drinking grape juice and eating a wafer. You all understand that, right? There's a communion that's taking place. We're doing this and remembering what he did for us. Not just remembering, oh, he died on the cross, but remembering all that he said, <laughs> him dying on the cross, all that it was for concerning us. And until he returns again, the fact that he said he's not going to leave us orphans, he'll pray the Father, he'll send the Holy Spirit, and what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to make us ready for Christ's return is what the Bible teaches us. There's this... Divine conversation that's taking place. Do you know that everything began with a divine conversation when it came to creating mankind? It goes like this. Um, let us, say us, let us make man in our own image. And he created man. It, it, man was created in the image of God. But when you go and read the scriptures, and the word there, when you go study that out, the word there is Elohim. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were having a conversation about how all this was going to take place. We're going to create mankind with free will. The only way free will can be there is if you have choice. 
And so the, the tree was set in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God says you can't eat from that tree. The day you eat from that tree, you will die. He sets it all up so that mankind truly has free will, just like God has free will. And where mankind chose to stop the conversation with God and look to himself, come on now, where mankind chose to stop the, con- the divine conversation and start looking to himself for divinity. Well, what's the devil? What's the bill of goods the devil sells? The, the devil says this. God knows the day you eat of the tree, you'll be just like him, knowing good from evil. Problem is, is that we're not capable of choosing just doing good, but rather evil and good. In history, down through the decades, down through the millennia, has proven that mankind, while they can get on course a little bit and do some good things, they also do evil things. We see it going on in our world today, that there are people still eating from that tree. But Jesus is known to be this, the tree of life. So not only does life and light, but life comes into the world through Jesus Christ. And all of that happened as a result of a divine conversation. What could happen in our life where light and life is concerned If we would just set ourselves aside, set ourselves in that place to have divine conversations with God so that that is able to manifest itself through us as believers. Can you say amen? God communicates with us because he wants to build relationship with us. The second thing is God communicates with us to provide direction. He communicates with us to provide direction. Proverbs 3, 6 says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Does anybody ever feel like they're off track? Right? You ever feel like, you know, going to the left, going to the right? God's the one that can keep you on track, but you've got to listen for his voice. We've got to have that conversation with him so that we can hear what he is instructing us to do. We can receive from him direction for our life. Third thing there, God communicates with us to give us perspective. He communicates with us to give us perspective. Am I going too fast? Okay, good. He communicates to give us perspective. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, every one of us from the day we're born, look, your, your natural senses, if, if we're to say not just the sight aspect of it, but we're going to talk about it, the fleshly aspect of how we pursue things in life. You know, our, our touch, our taste, our smell, our, our, our sight, and our hearing, right? All the, the five senses, if you will, have a lot to do with how our life is directed. I can, I can be doing really well <clears throat> with, with my diet and how I'm eating. Until I walk into a room, you know, with a Brooklyn-style extra cheese, you know, extra pepperoni pizza. And I've said to myself, I don't need any carbs right now. I, you know, I've been eating too many carbs. But I walk into the room... And here's that pizza. Anybody with me? As much as I don't want to go pick up that piece of pizza, there's something that happens with with what I'm smelling right now. You see, it has a way of invoking memories of how it tasted and how I felt all warm and fuzzy on the inside once I ate it. Come on now, are you with me? Right? You know, it trains us. It develops us to respond to things and to follow after that. Uh, you know, uh, let's say that, that, you know, I've got a cold and I can't smell real good, but I walk in and I just see the pizza laying there. I might not be able to smell so good, 
but there's just enough of it that I know that I can maybe taste just enough and I'm really going to feel a lot better. And since I'm not feeling so good, I deserve this anyway. Come on now. I'm using lighthearted things. I'm using food right now. But we could go to lust. We could go to anger. We could go to all the works of the flesh that, that trip us up and which is what the devil works in to sell his way of life. And what happens is, is that we develop that so much better than we do following after spirit. Come on now. We develop our natural sense. Following the direction of our natural sense is so much easier than following the things of the spirit. Why? Because we can feel them, taste them, hear. All that stuff is so much easier than having a divine conversation. Because how many, let's just be honest here, how many of you sit down and talk to God and don't hear him a lot of times? Come on, give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. And so what do we do when we, when we feel like, man, it's just like, I don't hear God speaking. What do we tend to do? Anyone? We stop from our side having the conversation. Because some way we think that God's not talking to us. That's why reading the word of God is so important. That when we read the word of God, what happens is, is it has a way. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, right? Uh, while we, what's it say? It says, so for we walk by faith, not by sight. So the things I naturally see or the things I can naturally connect with, when I read the word of God, the, yes, I'm looking at those words, but we have to understand that they are life to us, that when we take the word of God in, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, but it's not just the reading, because when I read it, it doesn't mean that I hear God speak through it. God's spoken it into existence. The only way I can recognize his voice is to understand what he speaks. And that if I never get the word of God in me, if I never get it in my mind, it'll, it, it, it certainly isn't going to get into my heart. And it's normally in that place, like we can gain knowledge and we get the knowledge of God's word. But once we gain that knowledge, we've got an opportunity then for God to speak by the Spirit. Rhema, say Rhema. Written word, Logos. It has power, make no mistake about it. And when you read it, it speaks things to you. But when God speaks a Rhema, when he speaks by the Spirit according to his word in your life, and the Spirit and the word agree, and you, it resonates on the inside of you. When that happens... Let me say this to you. It doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what you taste. It doesn't matter what you touch. It begins to overcome the natural senses of mankind. That we would actually choose to do something the opposite of what our flesh wants to do is the result of God intervening and working in our spirit man and causing our spirit man become stronger than our carnal man and when the spirit man begins to win the battle in your life where it comes to the direction you're going, let me say that is when your divine conversation with God goes to a new level. Can you say amen? So, having said that about resonates on the inside of you, uh, point B, God's voice is quiet but resonant. It's quiet but it's resonant. 1 Kings 19, 11-12 says, The Lord said to Elijah, Go stand in front of, uh, of me on the mountain. 
and I will pass by you. This is Elijah going to setting himself to have a divine conversation with God. He's heard God say, go do this. Then a very strong wind blew until it caused the mountains to fall apart and large rocks to break in front of the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a quiet, gentle sound. A quiet, gentle sound. That quiet, gentle sound, in one version, still small voice. A quiet wind. That, that why God is, is everywhere, he's magnificent, he's majestic, all those things, and we think of how big God is. The more you think about that, does it not cause you to think about how small you are? See, what began with that divine conversation with Mary through Gabriel the angel it started something for mankind because what the devil convinced man of in the garden is that you have to rise above. You have to, you have to lift yourself up so you can become bigger. You don't need God in your life. Reality was as mankind became clearer and clearer that they need God, but now how do you find God? And in that moment uh, where this takes place, if you think about it, that, that, that's spoken to Mary, and here comes Jesus on the scene and what, what does God do? What's the pattern of God? God brought himself low in service to mankind to lift mankind up. And one of the things we say, up out of the miry clay, up out of the trespasses and sins, up out of our mess, he came low to lift us up. And how low did he come? He humbled himself to be a servant even to the point of death. You know the pattern of how to rise up in your life is to come low. Throw on your linen ephod. Maybe not physically speaking, but you know, take on that humble form before God to have a divine conversation with him. And watch how he'll lift you up and empower you to walk through this life by the Spirit, not by your own means. Other things may go well in our life when we're following God, but that doesn't all of a sudden mean we get our eyes on those things. Remember, the children of Israel, they did really well when they were in a humble state and they sought and cried out to God. When they came to the point, I need to talk to God. i got to get a word from God. And they get a word from God and they start getting blessed and then they forget God. And then they start trying to do things in their own means and ways. And the next thing you know, they've walked away from God. They're not having the divine conversation anymore. And now they are wayward from him. We end up wayward from God when we stop having conversations with him. Can you say amen? That's how we end up far from God. But we stay close to God when we have divine conversations with him. Why am I using the word divine? It's not a normal conversation. you got to see that you're calling out to the creator of all. you got to see he's more than capable. More than capable of working in your lives in ways that nothing else is going to. When you approach him that way. Remember um, that we are to come to him as he is. And to know that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't that right? God will reward you as you diligently seek after him, but make sure you're coming to God. 
as he is. Not, not maybe as you're thinking, why is God doing this to me and why this and why, but rather coming and saying, God, I know that you are able. God, I know that you desire to work in my life to bring about the best so that my life would reflect all that you are. After all, you created me in your image. You didn't create me to be like this world. You didn't create me to be like uh, the way the enemy wanted to defile it. You didn't create me to be the way that mankind has become, but rather you created me to be like my Savior. You created me to be like my Creator. Amen? So, so God's voice is quiet, but yet it's resonant. And that's what he's, he was teaching Elijah is, look, it's not in all this thunder. You know, how often do we, it's interesting, but the calamity, like we see earthquakes, fires, floods, pestilence, um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to get the last things we've been dealing with in the, um, hurricanes, uh, what else, someone else, what else, what is that, murders, riots, right, but, but I'm talking about the natural disaster kind of stuff that oftentimes you will hear natural man, I mean, you don't tend to hear, uh, people say necessarily that murders we understand are people doing bad things to people, correct, but, but it's interesting that when we, when we hear that there's a, a, a tsunami or we hear that there's a hurricane or those kind of things, it's like God's judging everyone. Isn't that right? What I want you to know is it's the natural uh, process of a falling world is that the, wor- the earth is groaning and travailing and awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. Who's the sons of God? Those who believe in Christ are the sons of God. They're awaiting the manifestation of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Then when all that's done, then all of this will be done, and we won't see any more of that. And the whole earth is going to groan, and it's going to travail, and you're going you're to see all of these things continue to happen. But, but to see people all of a sudden, they're like, oh, it's God. Let me tell you where God's judgment landed squarely. Anyone? Squarely on the cross. Squarely on the shoulders of Christ. And Jesus said, if I be lifted high, if the Son of Man be lifted high... I'll draw all men unto myself. And if you do word study on that, you're going to, if the Son of Man be lifted high, he'll draw all judgment unto himself. And the gospel that we preach is not one God's judging you because you're sinning. The gospel we preach is God judged his son so that you could be saved. Amen? God judged his son so that we might be saved. And while these things are happening, they are the product of original sin. But one day, all of that too will be over amen so so god's voice is quiet yet resonant he communicates to give us these four things there may be other things but these are four i want to give you he communicates to give us these four things one encouragement he communicates to give us encouragement romans eight sixteen says the holy spirit speaks to us deep in our heart and tells us that we are god's children Now that word deep there, if you actually go and you look up the word resonant, that you'll find, uh, uh, so if I I was to play an instrument, uh, these guys get on these chords or riffs or however they do that, and it just, it goes on and on, and it has this resonating sound to it. It's deep and continuous. When the Holy Spirit speaks, when you have that divine conversation with God, he is doing it to communicate, to give you encouragement, and that encouragement is not a shallow encouragement. Hey, I hope you have a good day. 
Now, when God speaks to you, and you know he's speaking to you concerning your situation, concerning your life, it sticks with you. It doesn't go away. It's deep on the inside of you. Anybody ever had God speak a word to them, and you're going through life, and things have been difficult or challenging, and for some reason, you reflect back on this time when God spoke something. Sometimes it's not just, it's not just that you're in prayer and God spoke to you that way. Someone walked up and said, you know, I felt like the Lord told me I, to, to say this to you, and they gave you an encouraging word. And months later, months later, that's still coming to mind. It's still something on the inside of you. That's because God wanted to speak a word of encouragement, not one that would be with you today and gone tomorrow, but one that would stick with you as you walk and live this journey out following him. Isaiah 55 and 3 says, in the Message Bible, it says this, Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. I'm making a lasting, say lasting, a lasting covenant commitment with you, the same that I made with David, sure, solid, enduring love. Resonant. It doesn't go away. It's going to stick with you. It's going to keep coming around and coming around and coming around to keep you on track, as the Word of God says that he does. Number two, he communicates to give us warnings. Warnings, Acts 16, 6. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the Word in Asia after they had come to uh, uh, Mysia. They tried to go on to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Now, this is a point where the apostles, they're traveling all over and sharing the gospel. And, hey, we're going to go over here. And the Holy Spirit spoke within them. It resonated in them that this was the Spirit. Because they were set on a course they were planning on going. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're not supposed to go there. They knew that they weren't supposed to do something because the Spirit of God spoke to them. In that, So in that ongoing relationship with God in prayer, God oftentimes, although we believe and feel like we're doing this for God, God will also warn you about things that can be perceived as being the right direction and it's living for God. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, actually you need to go this way instead of that one. He warned them so that they would know. Uh, Isaiah 30 and 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left. Now this is, this is starting that off and it's saying this. Whether you turn to the right or left, look, you're going to turn to the right and you're going to turn to the left sometimes in your life. But you need that divine conversation. Why? So that, to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. We're going through life, we're in relationship with God, on and on, and, and we're, this, I think I need to go this way. But it's, it's that continuous relationship and conversation with God that calls us as we're just going along that God's like actually that's not the way you need to go this is the way you need to go and give you an example I talked about Abraham a little bit he his faith was tested anybody know how his faith was tested his faith was not tested in his tithe you've heard me teach the tithe he was faithful to tithe because he recognized it was God that increased him do you know where his faith was actually tested? His faith was actually tested on the mountain when God asked him to sacrifice his son. When God asked him for the very thing that God was going to provide for all mankind. And is there a man who would give me what I'm willing to give for mankind? 
That was where his faith was tested. It's like, are we supposed to sacrifice our children? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Abraham's faith was tested in that would he give God what God was willing to give for mankind. And when God found a man, when he found a man who would have a divine conversation with him and get clear direction, that man took his son up on the mountain but was so in tune to have an ongoing, say ongoing, to have an ongoing conversation with God that what happened is when he's about to do exactly what God told him to do, he wasn't going to the left or to the right. He was exactly where God told him to be, doing what God told him to do. And when his test of faith was at its, at its, its precipice, it was at the moment, and yes, I will do this, and he draws back to sacrifice his son, the angel of the Lord, say the Lord. The angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord says, do not lay your hand on the lad. We're talking like, boom, I'm going the way God's called me to go. And that divine conversation, what it does is sets us so in tune with God that right when I'm about to go to the left or the right, God gives me a word to keep me on track. That God never intended to take his son. God was intending to give him all mankind. His son. But could he find a man that would be faithful enough to give everything to God? It was his willingness to give God all. See, the tenth was acknowledgement that God gives all. The test was the moment that there was a man that would say, God, I'll give you all. Come on now. That's That's what's meant to happen in divine conversation. Here's the thing. Me withholding nothing from God. God withholding nothing from me. Can you say amen? Are you all getting anything out of this? I want you to know you're staring at me pretty, pretty strong. It's like intent. I hope you're hearing this. Right under that, right, right under that, under the warning. Or excuse me, Direction. Right there, what percentage of my life belongs to God? Question mark. Only you can answer that. You and God in a conversation. How much of me belongs to God? Because I want you to know, the day that God has all of you is the day that you'll see your life on a path that reflects who God is without any deviation. Amen? So number three, direction, Luke. Uh, moved by the Spirit, they went uh, into the temple courts. Moved by the Spirit, they went into the temple courts. So uh, if you think about the disciples, think about even Jesus, uh, you know, everything he did, he saw the Father doing. He only did what he saw the Father doing, and so he was always going where God wanted him to be. The disciples, it was the same thing. As they were moved, then they would go into, because, you know, you understand, the temple the Pharisees and Sadducees did not like the disciples of Jesus. We all understand that, right? But if the Spirit told them to go, wherever the Spirit told them to go, they were willing to go. So direction, God communicates to give us direction, Acts 20 and 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Now, Paul the Apostle, there's a point where he's going to Jerusalem. Uh, I think it's Agabus. Did I get that right? Anybody Agabus, yes, I believe it was Agabus. 
Come here. You're Paul the Apostle right now. And Agabus, so Paul's going to Jerusalem, and Agabus walks up and gives him a prophetic, he, he, he gives, gives a word. Paul gets to have a divine conversation with God through the actions of another believer. That Agabus walks up and he takes Paul's hands and he does this, and he takes his, basically his girdle, his belt, takes his belt off and he wraps it around Paul's hands. He's doing this and he's acting out what God showed him is going to happen to Paul when he goes to Jerusalem. And basically, just as I've bound your hands with this girdle, when you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bind you. Basically, they're going to take you captive. And that's where Paul starts his prison ministry. No joke. But Paul didn't stop going because Agabus' word didn't say, don't go. It said, this is what's going to happen to you when you go. How many of us would march into danger because God directed us to go there. Come on. I mean, a lot of times we're looking for God to get us out of problems, not take us into one. Come on. Can anybody say amen in here? Right? I mean, most of our prayers, we stick the scriptures on the doorposts or the mirror that say, this is how God's going to get me out of stuff, not into something. Not Paul. Paul knew he was going, and he was going to be bound. He was going to be taken prisoner. And Paul walks that out. Now, here's the thing that, that we know from, from historical teaching and that is that, you know what, uh, in some ways, would Paul ever have written as much as he did? Would he have been out there still doing all the things he was doing and not taking the time to write so that we'd have the word of God? But he is sitting in a cell, waiting judgment, and goes through a whole process through all of that. But a lot of the scripture was written because Paul was just locked up behind bars, man, sitting there, and what's he going to do? It's like, well, I'm going to write this letter to Ephesus. I'm going to write this letter to I'm going to write this letter you know, and he gets the word of God out that we, here we now have today. Um, so Paul's direction, so Agabus receiving through a divine conversation with the Lord to have a conversation with Paul. Because remember, prophecy, prophecy can be something that's acted out, something that's spoken out, something that's prayed out. You know, all those different ways that prophecy, God, and this is the simple explanation of prophecy, God speaking to man through man. God speaking to somebody through another person. And that also has a divine nature to it because it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is a gift of the Spirit that when that word's spoken out and for that person it's come from God, they have had a divine interaction with God that sets them on a course that they're to be on. Moving on, number four. Dreams. God communicates to give us dreams. Not just dreams for our life, but through dreams, uh, for those dreams in life. Job 33, 14 through 15, for God speaks again and again. He speaks in dreams and visions of the night. Anybody ever felt like God was speaking to them in a, in a dream they had at night? Not pizza, but God speaking to you. You know, there's, there's those fleshly dreams that you know, I think we call those nightmares. But God can show you in your dreams. He can show you in a vision that you have uh, dreams for your life, direction for your life. Acts 2 and 17. In the last days, you know we're living in the last days? We are living in the last days. And this is what it says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Don't underestimate what God can do supernaturally in your life as you have conversations with him. He will manifest he will manifest the divine in your life. 
He'll manifest heaven's purpose, heaven's desire for your life as you have those conversations with him.